What's beneath the surface of true crime? Uncover brings you there with premium investigations that demand justice. Each season delves into a distinct case, from the inner workings of a cult to the disturbing legacy of residential schools. Promising new content year-round, Uncover will take you on a journey through explosive revelations with hosts dedicated to revealing the truth. Uncover, the best in true crime. Find it on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, my name is Nivedia. I hail from the state of Kerala. I'm currently pursuing MA Convergent Journalism from Jamia Millia Islamia, New Delhi. I am 23 years old. Nivedia is part of her university's chapter of a group called the Students' Federation of India. This is a left-wing student movement with chapters all over the country. And last week, she and a bunch of people from the group were sitting on a lawn on campus and talking about their plans to hold an event, a documentary screening for their fellow students. And that's when they were interrupted. So suddenly, a group of uh, guards and uh, proctorial staff came to that lawn and started threatening us. So they started questioning us about, like, why are you doing the screening? You have not taken permission and everything. And uh, suddenly they started threatening, like, you cannot do anything without permission. This is the place only for academics. Nothing else can be done. Nivedia says the staff and the guards were yelling at them, so she pulled out her phone and started filming. They tried to take the phone, so she started running. And for about five minutes, she says the guards chased her all over campus. And when one of them finally caught up to her, she says he pinned her against the wall before pushing her to the ground. And it was like almost like four to five minutes of struggle. They were pulling my legs, arms, my head. They were physically assaulting me brutally and trying to get hold of my phone. She was then told that in order to get the phone back, she'd have to go to the proctor's office, which was off campus. They escorted us to the gate, and as soon as me and my comrades, two other people, stepped out of the campus, police came and caught us. They caught us by the arms and legs and literally lifted up, lifted off uh, from the ground and they just threw us into a van. We did reach out to Jamia Melia Islamia University for comment, but we didn't hear back by our deadline. Nevadia was just one of 24 students detained by police in Delhi last week, all for their involvement in organizing screenings of the same documentary, the first part of a series from the BBC called India, The Modi Question. These public screenings being planned at universities around the country have become a form of protest. And some universities have tried to shut them down, but that hasn't stopped people from watching. This is a form of protest that we will be continuing here. Uh, And this is a request from the JNU Students Union that please do scan the QR code and we'll be starting off with the screening shortly. Thank you. 
This is all happening because the government of Prime Minister Narendra Modi, the subject of the film, doesn't want Indian citizens to see it. They've invoked emergency powers to have it taken down from platforms like YouTube and Twitter. The reason the documentary is so controversial is because it sheds light on one of the ugliest parts of Modi's political career, the 2002 riots in Gujarat, in which over a thousand people were killed, the majority of them Muslims. And it highlights a British government report that found him directly responsible. The report, sent as a diplomatic cable and marked restricted, has never been published before. Extent of violence, much greater than reported. Widespread and systematic rape of Muslim women. Violence, politically motivated. Aim was to purge Muslims from Hindu areas. Their systematic campaign of violence has all the hallmarks of ethnic cleansing. Modi has always denied being complicit in the attacks, and he was cleared by a Supreme Court of India investigation in 2013. This week on the show, we're going to get into why the Modi government is trying so hard to suppress the documentary, why people are pushing back, and how this all fits into the ongoing debate around censorship and freedom of expression in India. My guest is Ajoy Ashirvad, political editor at The Wire, an independent news agency based in Delhi. I'm Tamara Kandakar, and this is Nothing is Foreign. Ajoy, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Tamara. I wanted to start out by talking about this documentary. Why has the Indian government cracked down so hard on it? What do they find so objectionable about it? The Narendra Modi government is embarrassed by the documentary which shows him complicit in uh, in an episode that he may not be very proud of. He was the Gujarat chief minister back in 2002 when uh, India saw one of the most heinous communal violence in India. This is actually the biggest blemish in Narendra Modi's political career. Hindu mobs raged through the state, burning their neighbours alive and raping women whilst the police and authorities were accused of standing back and at times encouraging it. The violence began when a train full of Hindu pilgrims was set alight. Over 1,000 people, mainly Muslims, were killed in the aftermath. Uh, Narendra Modi has somehow uh, skirted uh, these issues and had emerged as the tallest leader of India since then. So when he's seeking a third consecutive term at the Prime Minister's office, the BBC documentary has come as a particular embarrassment for him. There is now a new generation of young people who haven't seen how Gujarat 2002 uh, violence unfolded. For them, it's a distant memory or probably they don't connect with the Gujarat communal violence as much as people who saw it that time. One thing that we must remember is that Narendra Modi wrote to power with substantial support of the youth of India. India is seen as a young country. And, and those people who were born after 2002, 
and majority of whom like Narendra Modi may not like this aspect of the Prime Minister and may become hesitant to vote for him again given his majoritarian impulses. Everyone knows that Narendra Modi uh, uh, comes from a Hindu majoritarian politics. But as Prime Minister Narendra Modi has often kept his Hindu majoritarian side in the background and has advanced the image of a development icon, a global statesman and an incorruptible leader. I have great pleasure in welcoming His Excellency Narendra Modi, Prime Minister of the Republic of India. I invite him to address the General Assembly. Mr. President, today every sixth person in the world is Indian. When Indians make progress, it also gives an impetus to the development of the world. When India grows, the world grows. When India reforms, the world transforms. These are the aspects that appeal to the youth of our country who are going to vote in 2024. So basically, he has been trying to suppress and forget these riots and and make people forget the role that he may or may not have played in them. This documentary is bringing this up in a fresh way, and it's exposing this information to a generation of young people who weren't even born at that time, who didn't really know much about it, and they're a massive political force in the country at a time when he's gearing up for another election. And a lot of this backlash is coming from these university students, right? That's really interesting. So in the government's response to it, they've been calling the documentary a propaganda piece. Let me just make it very clear. We think this is a, a propaganda piece uh, designed to push a particular discredited narrative. Um, the bias, a lack of objectivity, and frankly, a continuing colonial mindset is blatantly visible. Which kind of struck me as odd because it's like propaganda for what? And what is the alleged motivation behind it? Why are they claiming that it's propaganda? Ever since he came to powers to tackle foreign media, the BJP machinery has created multiple binaries. And, and one of the binaries is how the Western powers are jealous of India's growth story. The developed nations are envious of India coming to its own. The Western powers, according to the BJP, do not want India to become superpower, quote-unquote, or a global powerhouse. And that is the binary in which the BJP is seeking to combat the BBC documentary. Looking at the BBC documentary, not uh, by the facts and hypothesis it has shown in the documentary, but completely dismissing it as a Western conspiracy against India. And I'm guessing there are a lot of people who are buying into the government's narrative that this documentary is propaganda, right? Uh, yes, yes. People believe it. Mm, people believe the level of popularity Darin Sumothi enjoys has also been unprecedented in India. 
he has emerged as not only a prime minister, but he has emerged as the patriarch, as a saint, as someone who can do nothing wrong. And that reflects in, in the electoral results of 2014 and 2019, where the BJP, he, Narendra Modi himself, steered his party to, to massive victories. So he already has a, a majority of people on his side and courtesy his elaborate propaganda machinery which his party runs day in and day out, the first information that reaches them is about BBC documentary being a Western conspiracy. Supporters won't even bother to see BBC documentary and what it says, but rather they would believe the BJP propaganda that, again, it is yet another attack of uh, the Western powers against India. So a small documentary can be escalated into a political warfare. My name is Ian Urbina. I've reported on some pretty mind-blowing stories, but nothing like what happens at sea. If they got within 800 meters, that is when we would fire warning shots. Murder, slavery, human trafficking, and staggering environmental crimes. Men have told me that they've been beaten with stingray tails, with chains. If you really want to understand crime, start where the law of the land ends. The Outlaw Ocean. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. There's obviously a lot of support, but the story is broken through because there's been a lot of public protests too, and there's screenings being organized of this documentary, and people are now watching the documentary as a form of protest, and it's almost like the government trying to suppress it has backfired because it's getting so much attention. Do, do you think it's getting more attention now than it would have otherwise? Yes. Not many people would have watched the BBC documentary in India, but the, the moment Narendra Modi government blocked it, the dissenters and the people who were kind of alarmed at such arbitrary censorship started to watch it as a mark of protest. Uh, there are members of parliament who are uh, openly sharing the link to the, uh, the documentary. They're openly talking about how it can be watched via VPN. So it has created a big issue and that is what for such politically sharp people in the BJP, I think uh, it was a mistake to use the emergency clause to stop documentary from being watched in India. But and now that it has become such a global issue where everyone is covering and in fact forcing the Indian media to also cover what the BBC documentary says, the BJP is now trying to kind of organize its own protests against the documentary. Mm -hmm seems like the backlash has grown to be about more than just the documentary, right? What is the larger debate happening in India around this controversy right now? The larger debate is of censorship. Most of the opposition political parties are talking about how, despite the fact that it is the latest instance of such censorship, the people are like alarmed that even why should a BBC documentary or for that matter any documentary be censored and the other debate that has happened is that 
the new IT rules, the information technology rules, this is the first time when the government used some of the emergency clauses in the new IT rules framed in 2021 to stop a documentary, and openly so. I'm wondering if we could talk about those a little bit, just just to give people some background. Yeah. Um, this law was introduced in 2021. Can you tell me what it is and what was the government's argument for introducing it in the first place? Yeah. So before these 2021 rules, FT government, not just the Narendra Modi government, but they have been trying to kind of manage the media and kind of influence the media in India to give its own version also. The media industry, a large section of it, is run by corporates. And BJP has emerged as the biggest advertiser, one of the biggest advertisers in the country. And that is how most of the mainstream television channels and newspapers have not been doing critical reporting at all over the last five years. Most of the television channels have, uh, they tow the government line, and uh, not just the government line, but also have become active participants in advancing the Hindu majoritarian impulses of the government. They have almost become megaphones of the government. The BBC, the Boring Broadcasting Corporation, epitome of lies, has released a quote-unquote investigative docu-series on an issue that has already been probed and investigated and dealt with and concluded by the highest court of India. Fact is that the British boring propaganda corporation was hoping it could penalize and get away with it. Tonight, the people of India are saying, at least Republic is saying, BBC quit India. So what the government cannot say directly because of its constitutional positions the media has taken uh, the role of talking uh, the same things which the government wants media to say. It is left to the digital media and independent platforms to raise the issues of censorship or human rights abuses or any, any form of critical story. In fact, these are the platforms which have broken most of the important stories from India in the last eight years. So... There has been a crackdown on these kind of independent platforms ever since he has come to power. The new IT rules was an open acceptance of the fact that nothing critical will be tolerated. So government essentially and effectively became the sole authority which can regulate content in digital platforms. These rules, the amendment makes it mandatory for intermediaries like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram to comply with the constitution of India's provisions and India's sovereign laws. These are the new IT rules. And the irony of it is that the government passed these rules ostensibly to counter fake news. Most of the fake news comes from the BJP stable themselves, where they try to create a political narrative, a majoritarian narrative. But not, no such action has been ever taken against them. But you hear multiple YouTube channels being taken down, multiple Twitter handles being taken down on the request of this government after this, these IT rules were passed. This is not the first time that Twitter or YouTube have been uh, requested by the Indian government to take down content. This is the latest one, in fact. And there have been many, many such instances where 
critical reporting has been censored. We're hearing about this a lot now because it's about a BBC documentary and it's become this international story. But you mentioned that this is not the first time that the law has been used in this way. Can you give me just a couple of examples of uh, other instances of this? Individuals and people who create videos on YouTube and even satire has been taken down digitally. And we have instances where uh, the authorities, law enforcement agencies have completely buckled under the pressure of uh, BJP and their supporters. And if, for example, there were multiple stand-up comedy shows which had to be cancelled because of the protests by one or other Hindu majoritarian organizations. In a controversial decision, the Bengaluru police have asked the Good Shepherd Auditorium to cancel the comedian Munawar Faruqi's stand-up show. In light of threats from Hindu vigilante groups, Munawar's show was to be held today. The organizers said 700 tickets had been sold. Munawar Siddiqui is a stand-up comedian from Gujarat. He was arrested in 2021 by the Indore police. Soon after, a BJP MLA's son said that the jokes that he was going to crack, he never cracked them, at a local show were offensive. These kind of things that you can't do this and it will not be tolerated has is constantly getting normalized. So even when you want to say something, like right now I am speaking, I am always aware of the fact that uh, I, I should not be talking anything that may put me under the legal scanner right now. So it has become so normalized that clamping down on any kind of criticism and dissent, that most people who are aware of whatever is happening tend to self-regulate. With all of the ways that the government is cracking down on this documentary and, you know, other examples that you mentioned of them going after comedy shows and regular people's Twitter accounts, the media sort of self-censoring, is there anywhere people can freely criticize the government at this point without fear of consequence? No, I don't think so. Uh, there are people, of course, with low stakes, especially low monetary stakes, they they have been criticizing. But for people who, who, for example, the comics, the artists, or people who make movies or write a book, they are constantly under scanner. So when you speak to the filmmakers of India, where they invest a lot of money in creating their movies or songs, they are constantly aware of the fact that we should not do anything that may kind of come under the scanner of these uh, uh, the scrutiny of these far-right groups because they know that the government will only support these kind of elements. And if that is the case, no one wants to end up losing all the money. So, so that has become a major concern. Three news organizations, Wire, News Click, and uh, News Laundry, which, which have done all sorts of reporting but has remained independent throughout, uh, their offices were raided. The funders of these organizations, their offices have also been raided. The uh, civil society organizations like Oxfam, uh, which constantly tracks poverty levels in India, their offices were also raided. There is a constant use of 
executive authorities, government bodies to target anyone who stands in the opposition gallery. It may be a political party, media, artists, they are being constantly targeted and it's, it has become so common that it has almost become normal for us. I just want to go back to the BBC documentary for a second. It says Modi was directly responsible for this climate of impunity that enabled the massacre of Muslims in the 2002 riots in Gujarat. He denies that he failed to stop the riots and a Supreme Court of India investigation couldn't find any evidence to prosecute him on that. But since he came to power, there has been a rise in anti-Muslim violence. Religious tensions have been at a high. Fear. As tensions remain high in Delhi. The national capital, a battleground. Violent clashes between Hindus and Muslims have rocked the city for days. Entire neighborhoods ripped apart as mobs roam the streets. This is an ancient Hindu festival, but this year in Gujarat, it was celebrated by crowds waving swords outside a mosque as those inside looked on apparently terrified. What role do you think the government's crackdown on free speech has played in those religious tensions and whose voices are being silenced, I guess is my question. It's clearly the voice of the dissenters are being silenced. And uh, while this government probably uh, has won a majority through the democratic uh, process of elections, its actions have largely been authoritarian. Uh, and it has created an environment where there is a larger acceptance to authoritarian impulses of the government. It's about having complete control over the processes of Indian democracy and shift its direction from the Nehruvian secular order towards a majoritarian, Hindu majoritarian. So it's a shift in political ideology and Modi is, is kind of steering uh, India towards that direction. So anyone who comes in the way and is seen as an effective opponent, their voices are being silenced which includes students also, which, in, which can include civil society activists also. And while at the same time, his supporters have targeted Muslims, the Muslims have been lynched, many people, they are being prevented to even carry out their daily businesses. BJP members of parliaments have in open forums called for economic boycott and social boycott of minority communities Almost every day we see some kind of anti-minority violence, but nothing has happened to them, not even a case against them. And even if there are cases, the police has not acted on it. So they have got this space where they are enjoying an unprecedented impunity. So that is the problem. It's, it's for people who oppose this government, it's a constant cloud of threat that they are living in. Okay, Ajoy, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me here.
All right, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Our producer is Joyta Shangupta, and our sound designer is Graham McDonald. Our senior producer is Elaine Chow. The executive producer of Nothing is Foreign is Nick McCabe-Locos. Nothing is Foreign is a co-production of CBC News and CBC Podcasts. Our theme music is by Joseph Shabison. And before I let you go, if you liked this episode, please take a second to rate and review us wherever you're listening. It really helps new listeners find the show. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CBC Podcasts. I'm Tamara Kandacker. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.